Attention architects and creative minds, get ready to supercharge your brand with Build Your Brand, the podcast that's unlocking the secrets of branding success for creatives. Hey there, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my friend, architect marketing expert, Jeff Eccles at Build Your Brand Podcast, where he explores the captivating stories of the world's top brands and transforms their lessons into powerful moves for small firm architects and creatives like you. In season one, Jeff shares the thrilling tale of Southwest Airlines, where he dissects their journey to the summit and distills it into strategies tailor-made for you. It's important to keep in mind that companies like Southwest compete in the real world, just like you, and face real-world challenges, just like you. You might be surprised at how similar those challenges are to the struggles that you grapple with on a day-to-day basis. Don't miss out on your blueprint for success. Subscribe, tune in, and let's build your brand together. You may have noticed that the very best brands in the world are also known for having somewhat unique corporate cultures. That's often the glue that holds everything together when they encounter those rough spots. We don't do it because it inconveniences the passengers to whom we are primarily dedicated, the short haul, uh, frequent flyer. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Your Brand today. Remember, no matter the size, the journey's the same. Your brand's journey to the top starts here. Context and Clarity has been called a community-based pro-practice masterclass for architects. It's awfully high praise, but since we began this journey back in April of 2020, we've certainly grown into a community of small firm architects, all focused on what matters most to their success. And by the way, it doesn't matter if you're the employee of a firm that's dreaming of going out on your own, or you've owned your own firm for 26 years. There's something here for everyone. And that's where you come in. Thanks for listening and welcome to the Context and Clarity Podcast. Every week, we have a conversation with an expert or a thought leader on things that matter most to the success of architects just like you. Then we go backstage with someone from our community and we talk about what we learned, what our biggest takeaways were, and how we're going to apply what we heard to our own businesses. In this episode, we talked with Mike McCallowitz. Mike's the author of nine books, and he says he's out to eradicate entrepreneurial poverty. His titles include Profit First, Fix This Next, and now Get Different. You've probably heard of at least a couple of them. I've listened to about half of Mike's books, and I've got to tell you, I'm a fan. Remember, though, I don't read books. I wear Audible out. I don't think there's anyone that's better than Mike at distilling a complex business problem down to its essential elements and then building up simple systems so that you can address that problem. This is Mike's second appearance on Context and Clarity Live, and I think the timing of this visit was perfect because our conversation was the perfect way to build on our conversation from last week with Kevin Costello of The Ranch Mine. If you haven't listened to that conversation with Kevin, This one will certainly stand on its own, but please go back to the previous episode and listen to what Kevin had to say about using social media and public relations to grow your firm's brand. In the meantime, 
I think that you'll really enjoy this conversation with Mike McCallowitz. Usually after these conversations, Catherine McPhail joins me backstage, but she's got some exciting things going on today. So Mandy Freeland has graciously stepped in to co-host this conversation with Mike McCallowitz, and then again, backstage afterward. Mandy is the CEO and the principal architect at Mandy Freeland Architect in Bakersfield, California. She's also the vice president of the Academy for Emerging Professionals for AIA California. As always, I'm looking forward to talking about our takeaways from the conversation. So let's go backstage and listen in as Mandy and I talk about our conversation with Mike McCallowitz, author of Get Different. This is one of those one of these conversations I feel a little bit bad because this is right in my wheelhouse. I'm really passionate when it comes to marketing and branding. And so I love these conversations. I want to be jumping up and down. I don't know if everybody feels that way, but I do. <laughs> so I get excited about these these conversations. But um, having said all of that, Mandy, thanks, number one, for guest co-hosting with me today. And thanks for joining me backstage. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. That's yeah, great to great to have you, and um, I'm looking forward to to getting our takeaways from this conversation with Mike McCallowitz, and then exploring ways that we might be able to apply what he talked about. It's it's really a conversation about marketing, and uh, we were talking right before we hit record about this idea that Mike talks about early in the book about the fact that you have a responsibility to market. And that one, I, I said it when we were live with Mike. I'm going to say it again now, but as I heard that, I, I listened to books as I was listening to it on Audible. That one hit me like a ton of bricks because I often run into people that, um, you know, full disclosure, I consult on marketing and branding and, and those types of topics with architects and, and others. I run into to people a lot that say, Hey, I don't, I don't like marketing or I don't understand marketing or I don't like to put myself out there or some version of that. And when Mike McCallowitz said into, into my AirPods that we have a responsibility to market that, that really hit me. That, that was a big takeaway, at least from the book and from our conversation with Mike. And said, so if you're better than the competition, yet the competition is more noticeable, that's of disservice to your clients. If the architectural work you do is superior to the, the big brand name architectural firms or the local competitor down the street, if you're better, gosh, you have a responsibility to market accordingly, to be noticed. Because listen, if a customer is going to buy architectural services, they're going to buy the service. But if they can't find you, they're going to find someone of lesser value. So that is the client's problem, but, it, but it's your fault because you didn't make yourself noticeable. I, I really want to arm people with a... I was going to say vitriol or energy, or maybe just, maybe it's even channeled anger, but this is a responsibility. This is not something like, oh, if we have enough cash to do it, it doesn't necessarily require cash at all. Honestly, the less you spend, the more innovative you can become. Probably no cash is better. And uh, it's, it's not something that we can delay or only when we want to grow, um, or we'll just do what everyone else is doing. No, no, you have to find a way to become noticeable. And um, this is something that doesn't wait 
I strongly believe we are in the precipice of a recession. I think the indicators that I'm looking at shows maybe a pretty deep uh, recession. We have inflation going on um, and it may hit hyperinflation, which would be super risky. We see interest rates going up, housing collapse, but also the, um, there's other indicators too. And uh, what's going to happen, unfortunately, I think, is many small businesses will say, you know, we're in a recession. I've lost some clients and golly, it's hard to get clients. But we got to realize this, that I think across the board, if there was an average, let's say 10% of us, I mean, uh, all of us are going to lose 10% of our client base. So if I have 100 active clients, I lose 10% of that, that's 10 clients. But if the big box business down the street has, say, 10,000 clients, they lose 10%, that's 1,000 clients. Now, here's what's interesting. Most small businesses, most architects I know, respond by saying, oh my gosh, I lost 10 clients. What can I do to claw them back? And I'm saying, listen, don't worry about them as much as the thousand that are entering the stream because some clients use a recession as an excuse. They say, I was never really satisfied with this prior provider, but I didn't really know how to end the relationship. We're in a recession. I need to cut costs. That's an easy call to make. And now I'm entering the market, but I'm op entering with open eyes. I want to, to purchase. And maybe that's only 20% of them that feel that way. And the rest are just delaying, but they only have 20% active clients. So now out of the thousand entering the market, again, 20% are in active buying mode. If I'm worrying about losing 10, that's the mistake. I should be focused on gaining the 200. I think as small business, we have a right to choose if we're going to participate in a recession or not. And our marketing, how we behave around marketing is going to determine our success in navigating. Yeah, I appreciate that he, that he made it so clear and so easy to understand and put he kind of put it back on us as business owners that, hey, we need to take our businesses seriously. This isn't this isn't a game. This isn't a hobby. This is something that we've been trained to do. We spent a lot of time working in firms. Now it's our time to run our businesses, whether it's a new business or we've been doing it for decades. We do absolutely need to take it seriously. And it's our responsibility to to take control of that part of business development and do it with intention and with strategy and, and, and just take it seriously because running your firm uh, month to month and, and scraping the bottom of the barrel for jobs and taking whatever you can get isn't the way that this profession is going to be successful. And if your business is good and my business is good and everyone's business is good and we're all taking our businesses seriously, then we have a better profession overall. And I guarantee we have more money overall. Absolutely. 100% on every single one of those points. And I think if you're still not convinced, let me put it in a different way. And, and this is this is playing right off of what Mike McCallowitz says. But, you know, there are clients out there that you help. And you might even say that. Um, Hey, I'm, I'm passionate about serving this type of client or helping this type of client. So if we take what Mike McCallowitz is saying, you have a responsibility to market. If you're not marketing, do they even know that there's a solution to their problem? Do they even know that there's help out there for them? And to push that, to, to poke that bear even a little bit more, Right. If you you say that you care so much about helping these types of clients, but you don't care enough to do the marketing, 
that puts those things at odds, right? That's that's a problem, and that's 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 really the the really blunt piece of that idea that you have a responsibility to market. You know, get get yourself out there, get your message out there, and let people know that there is help, right? That there is a solution. Whoever whoever those clients are, right? Whoever it is that you're passionate about helping, they need your help. You need to let them know that you're there to help. So I really appreciate. Uh, again, it hit me like a ton of bricks when he when he said it the way he said it. But I'm glad that that came up in our our conversation today. Big eye open. And just to just to take that a little bit further, if you're not marketing your business, the potential great fantastic clients that you could be getting are going to the firm that is marketing. Right. Yeah, so it's absolutely. it's a loss right there. Yeah. Yeah, a hundred percent. It definitely is. It definitely is. And and it's um you, another thing that I appreciate about our conversation and and about the book, um, the Get Different book is the the level of creativity that he's talking about. And how do I'm trying to think of how I actually want to say this? The lack of dollars that he's talking about. He he mentioned in our live conversation that you know, you may not have, you may have zero dollars to put into this marketing that we're talking about. And that's okay, right? It, it might even make you more creative. And I, I always think about this, right? The profession that probably has the largest collection of creatives in the entire world, right? Now, someone is telling you, hey, you can be creative. You should be creative in the way that you're marketing your work. I, I think that's, hey, he just gave you permission. Go wild at this point. <laughs> Go out there and, and do it. And you don't have to do what everybody else does. I like the I like the idea that he that he puts it out there that he says do it differently. Because if everybody's doing it the same, then how are you going to stand out? I think I can't remember if you said it or if he said it, but if you if a, if a person walked into like say that uh, architecture conference and there are a room full of architects and they say, Hey, I need an architect. How are you going to stand out in a room full of architects? Are you going to stand out? Because it's the same thing when they, when, um, somebody needs an architect, they, you know, Google or Yelp, or they look for recommendations or they ask friends and family who they've worked with, but how are you going to stand out? Can you, are you easy to find? too, because if you're going to do it different, um, make it easy to find, right? The analogy that he uses in the book, which, which goes right into that example that you were just giving with the the architecture conference, he talks about a room full of people wearing gray suits, but then there's that, that person in the room that's wearing the red suit. Right. And, and I think that, that analogy of, of the, uh, architecture conference, you know, if someone were to to sneak in, right? A non-architect were to sneak in and say, hey, I need I need uh, an architect. We were talking about this on Clubhouse, actually, this morning. Um, Jay Caroli, who's an architect in Vermont, had talked earlier in the week about the fact that he and his wife used to own a restaurant and he got really into this slow food move, which if you're not familiar with what the slow food movement is, just Google it. There'll be a billion things that pop up, but it's sometimes it's referred to as like farm to table or, or something like that. But it's, it's the realization that our food 
is grown and it takes time to grow and there's a quality in, in this, this grown food, etc. as it heads to our plate. And, and he, Jay is relating the idea of, of slow food now to the practice of architecture. How do I find clients that care about where it comes from and how it's, how it's grown and then how it's produced and then how it's put on the, to go back to the food analogy on, on the table. And so the, the question is, okay, well, if, if that, if you're at this conference with a bunch of architects and 75% of the architects in the room do residential work, you know, first of all, you're in a room full of architects and someone has snuck in and said, Hey, I need an architect. And it's, it's a residential project. Well, okay, fine. 75% of the people in the room do residential. Okay, that now eliminates 25%. So how do they make the selection? Well, 75, you know, the, the other 75 people, they also do residential work. How do I choose? Uh, you know, people are going to talk about styles maybe and different things, different approaches and so on and so forth. But maybe there's three people, including Jay, that talk about slow food somehow. And it resonates with this person. Oh, I, I'm I, I'm a member of, of Slow Food Vermont, and I'm really into this. I, I love the idea of farm to plate and so on and so forth. I want to talk to these three people because they're talking about slow food and also about architecture and also about my home. So now, okay, well, three out of 100, that's, that's decent odds, right? But now Jay tells the story of how he and his wife used to own the restaurant and slow food and this, there's such a deep connection now with slow food that if this person really was into slow food, they're going to gravitate towards Jay. It's not lip service, right? It's, he's been there. He's been a part of that movement, still is a part of that movement, just doesn't own the restaurant anymore. Now this person can really relate to Jay as a person and through passions and align on things that really matter um, in purpose and everything else. That's, that's how we can, we can make that connection. That's how we can stand out is, you know, the story that's seemingly not even about architecture, but to somebody it is. It's definitely about, that's, that's Jay's red suit in the gray suit room. That's a great story. I haven't heard that story from Jay yet. So one other thing, just segue into what you were just saying. Um, something that Mike said, and that I've heard you say plenty of times is identifying, uh, identifying your ideal client. But I think more than that, what Mike, Mike, what Mike said today was um, step into their shoes, go where they go, be around the people that they're around go and he gave the analogy of uh, a clothier for a basketball player because it's a very particular seven foot seven tall basketball player is going to go to a particular store so if you're just say um, preferred client you know was a basketball player then you go to where he goes and you and you be around the people that he's around and you see the obstacles that he faces and be a solution creator and, um, and work from there, but you don't, and just a strategy that I learned, um, in school doing communications is identifying the audience. So, so in my, in my communications and PR world, it's, it's identifying the audience, who is the audience and who are you giving your message to and be specific 
and and really step into their shoes. We we actually every time we do a project, we step into the shoes of our client. We learn about if we're doing residential. I mean, this is something for you architects out there. This is something that you do all the time and you know how to do this. Step into their shoes. How do they how do they what are their routines and how, you know, what what do they do in the evening and how do they like to spend time socially and how can we integrate that into their home design? And then for whatever commercial project you're doing or public school or whatever your project is, how what what is their program? Well, just use that design mindset in the in the in sort of like the public world, in the real world, when you're identifying your ideal client, your audience. Where do they hang out? Where do they spend their money? Where do they get their money? Do they have investors? Do they look for public funding? Things like that. Who knows people in that world that you want to get into? So if you're looking, like we talked about, jumping into a new market, jump into the world of the people in that market. Don't just don't just go at it blankly. Learn about them. Learn what their priorities are. I think the trap that you may fall into is anyone is a prospect. And that means really no one is a prospect because you're not speaking to their needs. That's the attractor, the A factor. If you're not speaking to my needs, you're not speaking to me. So we have to pick who are the people we want to go after first. Once you know those people, second thing is what's the congregation points? Remember that saying birds of a feather flock together? It exists because it's true. Um, you know, if, if say an author, um, was a good prospect for you. Many authors have libraries. Uh, I want to put a library in my house. And so maybe I'm a good fit, right? But I, as an author, see myself as, as very unique and my needs being unique. But if, if you identify authors as potentially a good prospect, then what you do is you say, well, where do authors congregate? Well, there's Facebook groups. Uh, we have, we have our own private uh, write and rant is a very famous one, which you may not even know exists because you don't know our community. And there's certain author conferences where all authors go. Uh, and communities, and we talk to each other. And we don't talk just about how do you write a better book? How do you market it? We do. But we talk about other things too. Like, hey man, tell me how life's treating you. You wouldn't believe what I did with my house. And you start uh, spreading there. But also then you could start advertising to us. You can start building a list. You can start marketing to us. Um, and you can start speaking to the needs that are unique to authors, looking for that magnificent library or whatever it is and start speaking to us. So I, I, the starting point, and I'm not trying to beat a dead horse here, but the starting point is to talk about a community first. And uh, trying to market to everyone means you have to come up with a million different marketing messages to really engage them. But trying to market to one type of person is better. And uh, there's been study over study after study uh, over about this, about niche specialization. Um, I think there's points of confusion. Niche specialization does not mean niche exclusivity. So I'm not saying serve authors and disregard everyone else. I'm saying serve authors and market to them. And as other opportunities bubble up because humans know humans, still take them if it's a good opportunity. But just specialize in how you message to one community and then expand out. And inevitably, businesses that focus on a narrow community uh, start getting traction because they become specialists and then they can broaden out later. I think the mistake and what keeps businesses so small is we try to get any business because we feel any business is good business but we're never able to get that message that really resonates with the best buyers in any special community. This it's it's a big swing in the for a lot of people. It's not just architects, you know, not we're not just trying to to dog on architects here. It's not just architects. It's a lot of people that are doing marketing 
they're swinging and missing because they're not being sprayed. If, if you were to go to your significant other, whoever that is, and you were to speak to them in a way that wasn't specifically to them or about them or related to them, how well would that go? Right. I'm guessing not that well, you know, and if you, if you bring that back out a little, you go to that saying that says, if you try to be everything to everybody, you'll be, end up being nothing to anybody. You're communicating with somebody. You have to communicate with somebody human. So if it's that seven foot, seven inch tall basketball player, you have to communicate design for when we're talking about marketing and advertising, you know, type, type, uh, uh, topics have to design a campaign or messaging or whatever it is specifically for that seven foot tall basketball player, not for six foot three inch Jeff that sits in his basement recording videos and, and podcasts all the time, right? And consulting, right? That's it's a completely different message and not for just some generic somebody that's out there that may want a home designed, right? That's ineffective. But if you go back to the Jay's example, right? Somebody that cares about slow food that wants to build a house in Vermont that's somehow connected to the land or, you know, whatever it is, that is a real tangible connection that somebody can identify with that will resonate with somebody that's going to want to talk more about that. If Jay took a completely different approach and said, yeah, I, I, I'll design... Uh, I design houses for anybody in the the northeastern United States. Who cares, right? To be blunt, who cares? There's there's probably ten thousand architects that would say that, but not that many that that are um, creating an ad or sending a postcard or you know doing whatever to to quote unquote advertise their services for designing houses for people that want to connect with their land and are, are passionate about slowing those types. If I know more about my clients than anybody else does, I win, right? Because I can talk intelligently. I can hear what they're saying. I can develop in where they are. I can, you know, this, this whole scheme of, I shouldn't call it a scheme, but this, this whole, this whole uh, framework of, of get different. Mike talks about the dad framework, uh, different attract and direct I talked is the dad framework so you'll have to listen to, go back and watch the the video where we talk to Mike and and you'll see how he explains it out but in in that grand scheme of things we can't really be effective if we're not learning about our clients and like you said I mean it's you're doing this when you're working with the client so what about that next one what about those that you're trying to attract how do we take that lesson that we learned working with a client and apply it to finding the next client? That's super important. That's that's key to 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 all of this. Yeah. And I I think something that comes up often is um maybe architecture business owners say they don't want to market or they're maybe just intimidated by it or they don't understand how sure. to do it. Sure. Or maybe traditionally they were taught that uh, marketing and advertising are not dignified for the architecture profession. But I don't think that that's the case. I think that, like we were saying before, the responsibility of being a business owner 
I mean, we, we take being an architect very seriously. We can have very long conversations about liability, about accuracy, um, all of that stuff about what we actually do, but running our business is also that level of importance. We, we need to take that more seriously. Going back to that idea of responsibility, I think you have a responsibility to the profession to talk about and to not even talk about, to demonstrate, show, don't tell, to demonstrate your professional ability and the profession's ability to solve problems and to change things and, and to make, you know, going back to my point, you have one job and it's to make your client's life better. You have the, you have the responsibility to demonstrate that, in my opinion. I don't see that as being unethical. I think um, one of the marketing techniques, one of the very first ones, and you probably teach people how to do this all the time, but is to analyze your, analyze the market, analyze the competition. Mm-hmm. And I like how Mike brings that out, saying be different. So not only analyze, see what other people are doing. How are they getting their work? How are they getting their clients? How are they actually performing their services? Are they doing a good job? Is there room for them to improve? Um, are they always late? I hear that all the time from, from potential clients looking for another architect to use is that everyone else is always late. They always have excuses and they're always late. So for me to be different in my market, it's a, it's a pretty easy, you know, if I'm not late on my stuff, if I'm timely and if I communicate, then that right there makes me different. There's something in the book that I'm not sure we touched on, but it relates to what we're talking about right now. Mike talks about looking outside of, for architects, it would be looking outside of the profession. What are people doing outside of the profession of architecture? Because if you do that, you're automatically going to be getting ideas and, and finding things that are different than what other architects are doing. So I wanted to make sure we, I, th- I threw that in there because um, I, I think that's gold as well. You know, what are, this will ruffle some feathers, but what, what are realtors doing? What are interior designers doing? What are, I mean, heck, what are, what are pizza places doing that I might be able to look at that and go, all right, how would I adapt that to architecture? I love that part of the creativity. Yeah. I love that thinking. I love that all the time. We get caught up in our own profession and our own business, but going outside of that, how, how are other businesses, how are other industries making um, their service or their product better, faster or easier? I, I think that's a, that's a really important point that you're making there. Thinking differently about this the most effective, my hands, I just realized that. <laughs> you think differently about the way of, you know, this thing, that the imaginary thing that I have in my hands. It's, it's going to affect something that you're doing in your business. And don't be afraid of that because that's, that's the huge, that's the best differenti- differentiating lever that you have is to tie those two things together and say, hey, yeah, this is outside the box, right? Again, the, mo- the largest collection of creatives in one profession in the world, I think, you know, in this, I don't often advocate for making business, uh, business systems, a design problem. But in this case, I think that's, that's exactly what we're talking about. Absolutely. I definitely agree. You know, back, back to your point about, Hey, just being on time would be right. Or answering the phone. Like, I don't know how many people say I got these clients because I answered the phone. 
and and they said nobody would pick up the phone. This that I mean, right there is the easiest thing. Yeah, if you were to make a list of, or, or I'm sure the magic Google box knows all. You could find this one, right? But if you were the top five or top ten complaints from architecture clients of architect, and look at that list and say the way that we work or something that we do eliminates this one complaint and use that in your marketing as your differentiator in a very creative way, that's going to move. Number one, you, you just talk about it on the internet. And when someone Googles that complaint, your response to that complaint is already there. So that's the way, but, but that, that could be a huge differentiator. This isn't, this is, I think this falls into the, another one of those things that falls into the category of, of simple, but not easy. Right? What we're talking about is simple, but you've got to execute. Right? That's, I said this in the introduction of Mike, Mike McCallowitz. I think his superpower is being able to take complex problems, which, you know, business problems, take complex problems and, and really distill them down to their essence. And then build simple to solve those problems. I've listened to four or five of his books now. He's, I think he's got nine maybe. Um, so I've listened to four or five of them. And every single one, I would recommend every single one that I have read because of that. Right here, profit first. How do I, how do I create a profitable firm? He boils it down to his essence and then builds, builds a system that's, it's just like, yeah, that's three steps I could do, right? Get different is the same way on the marketing side. And there's some, there's a lot of fun thrown in there as well with the, the creative aspects of it. Um, I really appreciate that about Mike. I appreciate that about his, his writing and those books of his that I, I think is worth the investment of, I don't I have no idea what it costs, but I don't know, 15, four and a half hours of your time. It's definitely to say, Hey, you know, if I, if I just talked about being on time, getting a project, meeting deadlines, and I found one client that goes, oh my gosh, I hate it because architects are never on time. What's that, what's that contract worth? It's probably worth more than $15 in four and a half hours of your time. And how much more can you charge for that? Absolutely. Maybe charging more, uh, it's worth it to that client because they know their project will be done on time. 100%. Yep. Mike. Mike talked about, I know we're, I know we're getting deep into this conversation. We're going pretty long here, but I think it's worth saying that Mike talked about indicator of recessionist. We talked about what happens. People start losing. We talked about specialization that comes not only with a recession, but in specializing. Imagine one of us uh, listening in right now had, and I wish this upon no one, but one of us had a heart attack or something and you get rushed to the hospital and the, uh, the emergency room says, you need cardiovascular surgery immediately. And there's two doctors that we know of. There's this one doctor dentistry. Um, he's a pediatrician, but he's really interested in being a cardiovascular, cardiovascular surgeon. He's never done it before, but he's interested and he could be really good. And he's a doctor. Would you be interested? And, and, he's, and by the way, he'll give you a discount. He'll charge you basically nothing to do it. Would you do it? Make, no, my life depends on this. Now, commercially, you go to the other doctor She's done 100 operations already this year of the exact nature of yours. She's done over a 1,000 in her lifetime. She's a 99.9% success rate. She can anticipate problems before they even present themselves. Oh, by the way, she charges $500,000.
you can go with. Well, of course, the doctor that's versed in this because it is a life-saving situation. What we have to realize is that a portion, and usually the best customers, see your architectural services as life-saving or life-altering at least, that they're going to get their dream or they're going to get what they envision the right way, the, the one way, and they're going to disregard the generics. I think the mistake that many businesses make is say, well, you know, I can, I can do that. I, I, I can try that out. And you're, you're watering down your perceived quality of service, which means then you'll actually attract a very low-level customer. Customer says, well, I just need an architect, and I see all architects as the same. If a customer sees all architects as the same, you're already in trouble. But if you can distinguish yourself as that, that life-saving or life-altering provider, and it happens through marketing, because remember this, the only impression anyone has of your business until they do any business with you is your marketing. The first impression is your marketing. So it better be superior, it better speak to your unique offering and to that unique customer you're trying to serve. And you can relate that to, to anything. Um, if a bank needs to expand, they're going to go to the architect that understands how banks work and who have successfully completed bank jobs, not the generalist architect who does shopping centers and may have done a bank, you know, just same thing. Yeah. I mean, think, think about it this way. And again, there's fear drives us. We're, we're, we're worried about finding, finding enough work, finding enough clients. So we're going to do anything. We're going to be, we're going to do that generalist thing, right? Well, first of all, no client has ever or ever will approach you and say, I generally need you to do something for me. Right. There's also, there's always something very, that they're looking for. But if we take the bank analogy, if the economy is shrinking and their funds are becoming more and more, they can't afford to mess around. Exactly. They can't afford to go to the generalist. They have to go to somebody that they know is going to be efficient and is going to be able to solve the problem. They, they can't take on that risk. And that's the reality of the conversations and the thinking that they're happening inside the bank. That's, that's a really great example. If you have a business and you're, and just considering a recession ahead of us, um, if you use your past projects, if you use your experience, if you've already done the foundation work for marketing your business, then when a recession hits, you are already in the front of the line. You are Already, you already have your reputation established. You already have the connections. So just thinking ahead in that way, do the work now because five years from now, three years from now, you've, you're setting yourself up for the work in the next decade or, you know, it's, it's not just now. And I would love to see our business owners look at our businesses as not just month to month, not just hitting annual goals, but hitting five-year goals, hitting 10-year goals, like make, make those strategic plans now for sustaining your business over time, for the recessions, for the roller coaster that every business goes through. This is, these are just business concepts that, you know, when we start our business, when we quit the firm and say, I'm going to do it on my own because I'm not happy here. And we get the business license and we do the paperwork and we have a tax ID number. It's not just that. It's it's more than that. And marketing, everything that Mike talked about, everything that you talk about all the time, it's it's that. We need to take it seriously. Yeah, I, that, I think that's all the way around and put a bow on it. There, There's a lot of gold in 
in Mike's new book, Get Different. So I, I encourage everybody to pick it up, read it. Also not in the business of selling anybody's books. So I don't have a vested interest in that. I think it would be worth your while. Um, whether you do or not, I also think it would be worth your time to to the Entree Architect YouTube channel and watch the entire conversation with Mike McCallowitz. Mandy and I are there with Mike, with our live audience commenting on the side. Uh, it was a good conversation. Well, what did you think? Did you hear something in there that you can use in your practice today? If you were so inspired by this conversation that you'd like to watch the entire Context and Clarity Live episode, head on over to the Entree Architect YouTube channel. There's a playlist there that has all of the full Context and Clarity Live episodes. And if you want more of the Context and Clarity podcast delivered to you every week, give us a thumbs up and subscribe wherever you consume podcasts. If you like content like this, check out Gable Media. It's a multimedia network for people that care about the built environment, and it's the home of Context and Clarity. With Gable's growing family of podcasts and video channels, I know you'll find something there that interests you. You can learn more at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. And one last thing before you go. If the topic of today's episode is of particular interest to you, join me over on Facebook today at 4 p.m. Eastern inside the Entree Architect Community Facebook group. That's where every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern, I host Context and Clarity Conversations, and we take topics like this, and we dig deeper. We have a conversation in real time to try to find more clarity around the things that matter most to you. So thanks for listening. I hope our time together has inspired you to think about your community and your practice and how you can support those around you. We'll be back here again next week, and in the meantime, I hope you'll join me and the Entree Architect community on Facebook today at 4 p.m. Eastern so that we can help each other find more clarity around the topics that matter most, no matter what your context is. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris owners of Level Studio Architecture are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then you know in your head you've rooted like oh i'm connected to these people like long term the process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges demanding meticulous planning flawless execution and unyielding resilience i kind of hate the term because it's so overly used but i think everybody knows imposter syndrome and i think it's it's so real to this day i i, I don't know if it's with everybody but with me i'm always questioning like 
us? Can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my the one that God. came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success.